This is the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Robin Hicks. Gojek is known as the app that helped ease Indonesia's notorious traffic while giving jobs to people on the lowest rungs of society. Now the company is aiming even higher to slash its carbon footprint to zero. The ride-hailing app, which recently merged with e-commerce firm Tokopedia to form GoTo, is on a mission to decarbonise completely by 2030. How? By electrifying its fleet of thousands of vehicles and using renewable energy. This will not be easy in a region in the very early stages of electrification, still powered mainly by fossil fuels, and where EVs are prohibitively expensive for the 2 million or so Gojek riders that use the app to earn a living. Also by 2030, the company is aiming to eliminate waste entirely from its delivery business and ensure none of its riders are left behind by economic shocks such as the COVID-19 pandemic. Are these sustainability targets just ambitious or unrealistic? Joining the Eco Business podcast to talk about how GoTo can meet these targets is its head of sustainability, Tana Sullivan, who moved to Jakarta from Geneva in 2020, where she worked for the World Economic Forum. Welcome to the podcast, Tana. Thank you so much, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's brilliant to have you on the show. Um, and the first question I want to ask you is a bit about you, Tana. So you've, you're two years into the job at GoTo and you've just brought out the company's first sustainability report and recently announced um, the three zero sustainability plan. But my first question is, over the course of the first two years, what's the most important thing you've learned? I think the most important thing I've learned, Robin, is about humility and how we approach some of these really, really complicated challenges that we've been addressing as a company. Um, the humility part for me is, is more rather than, you know, it's very easy to come in and say, well, I've seen and heard and experienced what some of these best practices look like from a global perspective, from an industry perspective. Um, and here's what you should do guys. So, you know, respective leaders, business units, corporate functions and what have you. Um, but you don't really understand when you first come in the operational realities of what these teams face on a daily basis. Um, and so for me, I think it was having that sense of humility and being able to spend the time and invest the time with their, these teams at all levels across all the different functions that we have and business lines that we have um, to, truly, to truly understand exactly what it is that they face. And from there actually work with them to find the right kinds of solutions that will integrate both the best practice component of it, but also, um, kind of the practical, you know, application of some of these best practices, because it's going to look very different depending on the business line or depending on the market where they're in. Um, and so, so taking the time to really do that rather than coming in and saying, well, I'm the subject matter expert, which I'm very far from it, but, you know, I'm the subject matter expert. Here's a very fancy deck and here's what, you know, very complicated set of explanations and, and, and you know, what, what, you know, guidelines and frameworks and what have you. But a lot of the, the teams that we work with, it's, it's just not a case of being able to copy and paste some of these best practices as it relates to what they face and what they are trying to resolve on a daily basis. So humility is, is one thing. Um, I will say another very, very important thing for me was at least in, in terms of being effective within the company was um, the relationship building component. I mean, everyone in every job or organization, you can say that's, that's important, but especially in these um, sustainability functions, you know, we, are, are beholden to almost um, these, these you know, work relationships that we have with the respective leaders and the teams that we work with. 
Um, and if I didn't have a good relationship, if I didn't have a trusted relationship with my peers, with my colleagues, it would make it incredibly difficult for us as a team, as a function to be able to kind of navigate and operate the way that we do um, across so many different business lines, but we don't necessarily have the same kind of in-depth understanding as what some of these um, teams and colleagues do because they're doing, they're living, breathing and eating it, you know, every single day. That's really interesting. You know, you did mention the word humility, which I think is a, is a really interesting word to use for head of sustainability at a big company like GoTo. Um, you mentioned that you, you did actually have subject matter expertise, obviously at the World Economic Forum for a long time. Your subject matter expertise was mobility. Um, so, so tell us about when you first joined um, GoTo and the process of, that led to setting up the three zeros targets. Now, it could not have been easy in the middle of a, a merger, but also in the middle of a pandemic. Talk us through it. I'll, I'll give the headlines version, um, but, but, you know, and, and hopefully it's, it's interesting for everybody. But I, I think, look, it, it, was, it was incredibly um, complex. Um, and, you know, it was not just... I have to navigate and learn a whole brand new organization coming into this role, but we were also going through this massive organizational transformation and, and change in you know, the union with Tokopedia um, because I was originally, I started off at Gojek. Um, and so I think the kind of step-by-step -step process that I took or the approach that I took, again, it came, you know, coming in with humility. So because we kind of had a little bit of a head start at Gojek, um, it wasn't like I was going to then apply all of the same the recommendations, learnings, um, frameworks and practices and policies and what have you into the Tokopedia side of things because they had a very different, not just very different business lines, but also very different culture, uh, very different people leading those, those teams and functions um, on the Tokopedia side. So it was also then, okay, now I have to invest additional time to learn and, and you know, build relationships and do all those things that I mentioned before, um, but with a brand new organization, which equally in its own right is also quite complex and, and, and huge as well in terms of reach. Um, and so I think the step-by-step -step process that I took for me outside of, I mean, in parallel of doing these things was that, you know, we had to still continue making progress on the three zero commitments that we'd made as Gojek. Um, and now, but now is ever more kind of pressing to make sure that what we were doing on the Gojek side was consistent and at least, you know, standardized across all the different companies within the GoTo group, the newly formed GoTo group while we were still kind of defining what being go-to group was. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot of conversations, Robin, a lot of consultation across so many of the internal stakeholders, first and foremost. So that includes, you know, not just the leadership team, but, you know, people at different levels from all the different functions um, on all, in, in all the different companies within the group. Um, and then some of the external stakeholders as well, because noting that you're not going to have the same set of investors for Gojek as you would for Tokopedia. The same thing for our, you know, consumer groups, for our partner, our merchants, for example. Um, so it took many, many conversations to be able to really get down to, okay, here's the environmental and social, you know, issues that a lot of these priority stakeholders have identified as important to them. And also where they believe and we understand and know that we can actually do something about do they still fit into the three zero commitments that we had at Gojek? And if they do, how do they actually look or how are they defined or, or, or how are they able to be, you know, be applicable within a e an e-commerce or a logistics business line versus a ride hailing slash mobility business line? And so those are the types of things we spent 
you know, six, the better part of six, you know, to nine months figuring out um, across all the different companies. And that's how we've come up, you know, with the, well, that's why we ended up, you know, escalate or elevating the three zero commitments to not just be a Gojek specific one, but also a Tokopedia and a go-to financial ones. And that's why kind of we're, we're quite confident about it because we did so much consultation. Um, we did that also in this, in assessment with kind of the GRI and SASB reporting standards to ensure that, for example, when, you know, when we were ready to do a go-to level report, we would have all the data, we would have all the right initiatives and, and the right kinds of um, points, I guess, that we could include that would ensure that we would meet the reporting requirements for each of those standards as it related to our material, you know, ESG issues. It does sound like a very um, complicated, uh, complex exercise. Now, let's just look at the, the three zeros. By three zeros, by the way, to our listeners, we mean zero emissions. We mean zero waste. And also that social inclusion um, component of leaving no one behind. So how does that apply to Tokopedia as it does to Gojek? For example, so zero emissions first. Um, so for doing the first emissions inventory. So because at Gojek, we had done it already one year prior, um, you know, kind of the, the data collection process was already established. Then we had to do, set it up at Tokopedia side. Um, and on top of that, Tokopedia is an incredibly um, decentralized model where you have, you know, the millions of merchants across Indonesia who are operating essentially as micro entrepreneurs themselves. And so their operating practices also are up to them. You know, we cannot, we don't know, um, nor can we monitor exactly what it is that they're doing in order to calculate or account for um, an accurate emissions inventory, or even as it relates to what we'll talk about later um, around waste. And so for, for us, it was as best as possible that we work with some credible partners um, and make sure that we actually calculated the, uh, an inventory or produced an inventory that was as comprehensive and as close to accurate as possible. Um, and that's the first one that we've done um, as, as go-to. And that's what you see in the, the sustainability report um, published last month in June. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so I think, you know, we're, we're really excited that we now have one baseline to compare our, our performance against in, in, in subsequent years. Um, that said, decarbonization takes on a very different take uh, in Tokopedia. So with Gojek, I think you're, you're quite, I mean, for, for everybody's reference, you know, it's, it's really about how we get closer and closer to, to zero emissions um, before 2030. And for Gojek, we know that, you know, 88%, for example, of the inventory on the Gojek side was from the mobility services happening across the platform. Um, and so this was from, you know, GoSend, GoRide, GoCar, GoFood deliveries, and so on whereas on Tokopedia side, they didn't have their own logistics arm. So really they work with third-party logistics partners to be able to distribute the 1 million you know, packages every day across the country. Um, so decarbonization takes on a very different definition for, for Tokopedia. It's of course the direct emissions that Tokopedia offices have and warehouses, the fulfillment centers, um, again, across, across the country. But also it's now it starts to take on a, a little bit more, um, a little bit of a, an additional layer where we have to actually now bring on some of these third-party logistics partners to be able to also shift to cleaner mobility, for example, um, to start working with us on, on sourcing their operations through renewable energy power as well. Um, that said, you know, we can't necessarily account and, and ensure that they are going to do that, but we can certainly um, at least at this very point in time, raise awareness about what what this meet, what this journey looks like or could look like for them, and really kind of handhold them through that beginning process. 
Um, and then eventually with the view that, you know, we really want to make it uh, kind of base criteria for working with us as a partner or as a vendor or as a supplier, that these are things that we build into our policies and our kind of screening processes moving forward. Right now, um, of the three zeros in GoTo sustainability plan, the one bit that stands out to me is particularly ambitious is the zero emissions. Now, it is a very, very ambitious target. Some would say, some cynics like myself would say it's unrealistic. I mean, just let's just take a step back. You're in Indonesia and Southeast Asia. That's where the business operates. At very, very early stages of electrification, very early stages of EV, electric vehicle growth, right? The economy is fossil fuels based, but GoTo wants to hit zero emissions by 2030. That's about eight years time. Now, (laughs) what do you say to people that say, listen, Tanner, that's not just ambitious, that's an unrealistic target? Naysayers, Robin. (laughs) Naysayers. I mean, look, we, if we didn't set ambitious targets, we would have, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that we're planning to not achieve those. Um, I think we really needed to set these kind of big, hairy, audacious goals for ourselves, because that's always been in the spirit of our company. And in, you know, if we look at the history and the evolution of of Gojek or Tokopedia, there were naysayers also from the beginning of those companies. I mean, the business models themselves were, were, were very much, I mean, they were seen as kind of unrealistic or, or, um, or, or too ambitious or what have you, but yet somehow we managed to make it work. Now, that said, the vision or the product or the solutions that, you know, a Gojek or a Tokopedia came out with in the end might look very different from what it was, you know, from inception, but the, the general kind of goal and, and premise has always been the same, which is, you know, provide equal opportunities to, to, you know, to economic growth, to inclusion for, for all those who didn't have necessarily the economic agency or voice before, um, to allow everybody here in Indonesia and across the region to, ha- to, to be able to be part of the digital economy, which is going to just, you know, for, for a country like Indonesia, it's, it's really built into kind of the future of this, of this economy, this market. Um, uh, and so I think for us, it was democratizing that kind of access to, to um, the digital economy. Now on the zero emissions part, um, yes, it is extremely ambitious. Yes, sometimes, some days I feel like, oh gosh, like how are we actually gonna do this when we start getting into the nuts and bolts of things? But, um, but that said, it's, it's something we had to set for ourselves um, and, and really, really do everything in our power and then some to be able to achieve, um, achieve those goals. Um, I don't, I mean, for me, it's, a net positive for everybody if we can, you know, convince and, and continue working with, for example, the state grid operator in Indonesia to be able to be pumping more renewable energy into the grid. Um, we're already purchasing it for ourselves, for our direct operations. We will build it into um, the swapping infrastructure that we're that we're, you know, developing um, through Electrum through our joint uh, joint venture um, with TBS Energy. Um, we'll we'll continue doing these kinds of things so that overall, all in all, kind of the the ecosystem is somewhat, you know, is moving with us because again, as if you look at the actual um, breakdown of zero emissions and what it looks like for, for GoTo, there's a lot of dependencies there. Um, and those are the things for precisely the reasons you mentioned before, Robin, that variables that can go in our favor or against. Um, but, you know, for, for us, I think it's really important to have these kinds of ambitious goals. Um, it really rallies the, 
the the company as well. Um, everybody's working towards them in some in different ways, of course, depending on the function they're sitting in. But everybody's working towards them. Everyone's motivated, mobilized, excited about working on it. It kind of gives us our um, you know our our motivation every day to to continue doing this despite the challenges, despite the complexities, um, despite the very very um, you know complicated navigating we have to do of this this the, the ecosystem because of the fact that where Indonesia is at this point in time or where the region is you know, some parts of the region are um, it does make it very difficult sometimes to see how we're going to get there but we have to try um, and that's that's really kind of the key message I think is is we're we're, we're investing a lot into this um, and we will continue to not just invest ourselves, but also you know make sure that we're bringing the right partners who will who are also equally committed as we are um, towards these achieving these goals and contributing their own parts um, towards decarbonizing the the for example the energy system here in Indonesia or you know across the region. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you made earlier. You know, if you just step, take a step back and think about what Gojek has actually achieved as a business in what's it about a decade of existence. I mean, some people I've spoken to in Indonesia recently said, well, it's Gojek is the reason that the traffic isn't as bad. It's still bad, but it's not yeah. as bad as it is. It, exactly. um, it used to be. And also that on the social side, the level of empowerment for people on the lowest rungs of society that um, the brand has given that there's no reason to to think that you, you can't at least make a good go of hitting that zero emissions target. But one thing about it that, that again, that strikes me is that it's not science-based. And by that, I mean that it's not aligned with the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. And so it isn't approved by a, a body called the Science-Based Targets Initiative. So that means that um, you can hit carbon neutrality, um, but without, but you'd have to invest a lot in, for example, carbon offsets. Can you tell us a bit about how you estimate um, GoTo as a company will have to invest in carbon offsets to meet that zero emissions target by 2030? So, Robin, I think the general approach for us has been, or is, and will continue to be, um, is that as we get better and better at decarbonizing in our operations itself, and then eventually our ecosystem and that of our ecosystems, um, we will, you know, we will offset any residual emissions that we can't shift either ourselves or we can't get our partners somehow to shift. And you rightly point out, I mean, SBTI has incredibly high standards and requirements um, and criteria. And for us, you know, we are seeking like we do still have the ambition to submit some of our, our, our 2030 targets to them to be considered. Um, I think it's very, very important to consider also the unique kind of operating context. We're not like traditional companies that have submitted and, and have verified SBTI targets. But for me, that's the gold standard, right? And if we're not striving for the gold standard, then you know we don't want to fall short on this because we want to make sure that everything that we're doing is as credible and verified by an independent body as best as possible. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean that just because we don't meet those criteria, those criteria, we're not going to, to do anything, but we're gonna you know, sit on our laurels and just wait for others to, to, to take over. But for us, it's really, um, you know, we still have the key messages here are that, you know, we have a very unique operating context. We are really trying our best to figure out exactly how the SBTI criteria fits into our operating context. Um, and engaging them as well on that and having that discussion, not just with SBTI, but across the industry as well, across this region, um, where some of these unique kind of market conditions can dictate and, and very well, um, 
you know, shift how our, our targets or, or our operations look like in the coming years. Um, and also, you know, making sure that we develop kind of long-term solutions with SBTI targets in mind, because I'm still very much of the belief that we can, um, and we will achieve them one day, maybe. <laughs> but, um, but that's, again, in the same spirit of setting these big three zero uh, commitments for 2030, we exactly, for me, it's, it's making sure that any zero emissions related targets um, are in line as best as possible with SBTI. And that, you know, when we get to a point where that kind of unique operating context is reflected and, and or we can, um, you know, we have kind of a clear path developed with SBTI to ensure that we can meet the targets eventually, that's okay. I mean, this is a long-term play for us. Great. Well, that's good to hear. You know, I want to ask you about whether these targets are actually flexible, where they could, whether they could move over time. Now, the reason I ask that is because in the US, now I know the US isn't Indonesia, but in the US, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission recently proposed tighter rules for ESG disclosures, including net zero targets. Um, you know, do, do you worry that these regulations will eventually come to Indonesia, similar regulations that will mean that you have to stick to um, targets? They can't just be something you put in a sustainability report. Um, look, I, I want these types of strict regulations and requirements to come. I really do. And the reason is because it will force the hand of everybody, the industry, the, the market to, um, to start building these, not just start, sorry, they have to comply. That's it, you comply or you don't. Um, it levels the playing field for everybody. It means that you know, it's not just us investing heavily in this and no longer do we have to continuously make a business case for it, but every other company also has to. We are a relatively young company. We have relatively young leadership. I've said this you know, quite a few times before in public. Um, that has been a huge advantage for me because it, it has meant that you know, our, our team does not have to necessarily convince everybody that you know, sustainability is important or that climate action is, is just as pressing as meeting our business objectives or growth targets or what have you. Already kind of the, the, the right mindset is there, but you have... You know, we're all products of what the, the, what the system has been so far, and it hasn't properly kind of prioritized things like climate action. It hasn't properly valued things like used materials. So as a result, you, you know, it's cheaper to create, to produce a brand new plastic bottle than it is to just try and repurpose the old one or pack the same goes for cardboard packaging. Um, you know, there's no value to it, which is why it becomes waste. And so you know, we don't know the true cost of things like fast fashion. We don't know. I mean, we, we're not paying for things the same that with the actual value of what its environment with its environmental impact also considered into the price. Um, and so these are things that, you know, for as long as we are still a company, which we are, we are going to do what we were designed to do, which is maximize shareholder return. Every company will do that. Um, I think the difference with us is we recognize this um, is incredibly important. And as best as possible, we're trying to Kind of pivot ourselves so that our operations are sustainable um, and i mean i don't mean that just financially but also from an environmental and a social stance it's got all the relevant esg considerations built into um, those, those operations and those decision making processes um, and we're also still creating value for our shareholders um, if you put in a regulation like what what the sec has done in the us all of a sudden, all these companies, you can bet the best minds in the business, in the company, and you know, in the organization will be trying to problem solve the most cost-effective way of, a, of meeting those requirements, of complying. Right now, that 
kind of push is not there, right? Um, because the regulations don't exist here. So I would very much welcome <laughs> those kinds of you know, more strict requirements for sure. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting perspective. Now, um, I was looking through the sustainability report that you guys recently put out. Now, one of the things that, that jumped at me was a page on core values. One was Tokopedia's core values is growth mindset. Now, the reason those two words jumped out at me because because sometimes, as you know, growth jars with sustainability, especially sustainability targets. Now, um, I've heard uh, heads of sustainability from Google talk about the problem of being a high growth company with trying to meet sustainability targets. Also, your rival Grab. Iris Chang, she recently spoke about that as well. How do you strike a balance between growth, emissions reduction, and ensuring low-income riders are not excluded? The short answer is we are not going to prioritize growth targets that impact or hinder our sustainability commitments. Um, We will not do that. And so, I mean, it's very much, when we say sustainability is integrated into the core of our business, it's not just that our function, you know, reports to the CEO or, you know, or that we have, you know, these really robust governance structures around monitoring and making sure and, and aligning the entire company towards these sustainability commitments. Um, those are true things as well, but that's the only reason why we've, we've act, you know, we, we have integrated sustainability into our, into our core business model. Um, the examples I can give you that present, I think, maybe the, the full picture of it or a better, a clearer picture of this is, um, you know, things like our cloud kitchens, right? We are, we're, we are planning for exponential growth on that side of scaling our grow- cloud kitchens across Indonesia um, because we have been able to effectively transition, you know, three cloud kitchens in our pi- in, during the pilot phase, we were able to transition three, shift three cloud kitchens to zero waste completely, meaning there was no waste at all going to landfill. Um, now it's built into the expansion plans for every single cloud kitchen moving forward. It's the same thing with our fulfillment centers. We're planning to scale those fulfillment centers as to meet the growing demand of our, of our e-commerce business. Now, I mean, at this point in time, 80% of the packaging from our fulfillment, from Tokopedia's fulfillment centers are 100% recycled. And we are establishing, as we speak, an end market to purchase the waste from our you know, warehouses to be able to then repurpose into recycled packaging, which we will purchase back. So you there, you actually have kind of a closed loop and it's a cost-effective model, meaning we're not paying additional we're not paying the sustainability premium that so many, you know, that, that so many have talked about. Um, we can actually do this so that at the very least it balances, balances out at zero. And in some cases has actually led to a reduction in costs of operating expenses for that particular fulfillment center. Now, I mean, this is built into the plan for the expansion of every single fulfillment center on the Tokopedia side. So these, again, these are the thing, the types of things where we've been able to kind of harmonize or balance between our sustainability commitments, and also the the kind of you know hard growth that we're looking for, as well as as a company and as an ecosystem. Are there any other companies or brands or organisations you look to for inspiration? This is where the humility comes in, right? I think we are learning so much as we go along. We look at almost every every industry peer, every regional peer, every global peer, um, and then even outside. I mean, you know outside of our industry or sector, I think we, we look at all of them. And for me, it's about kind of 
getting an amalgamation of all the best practices and seeing which ones are going to be the most relevant, reaching out to sustainability practitioners and other companies um, across our industry, across our region, has also been incredibly helpful for us um, because we, we know we don't know everything and we know that we're going to make mistakes along the way. Um, and, and if we can share or, you know, provide some kind of learning or insight for others that others might find useful, great. And likewise, that's also why we're, for me, it's not, I wouldn't say that I've, I've seen a company be a trailblazer per se um, on this, at least, you know, operating in this, the, in a similar kind of unique context as we are, or market as we are, region as we are. Um, but, but yeah, but I do know that in general, the, the consistent kind of theme or message that I've gotten is that we're all trying to problem solve this um, not necessarily in silos but we are trying to problem solve this kind of separately and the and we really have an interest in, in kind of banding together and ensuring that there is kind of a net positive for the broader society and the markets where we operate in this region. Now you mentioned that that would be really good to see uh, more of the industry getting together um, to solve a problem that certainly no company can solve on its own. Um, that's a really good place to leave it. Uh, Tana Sullivan from GoTo, thank you so much for joining the Eco Business Podcast. Thank you, Robin, for having me. This podcast was hosted by Eco Business, Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media, or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.